Previously on Analysis Complete. I came to this planet to be the first person to discover a multicellular extraterrestrial life form, and I probably did that, and I have no memory of it. What is most concerning isn't that we don't remember, but why did we all choose to leave? Caster is the one who's in charge of us when we're in our sleep. Is it possible that Caster could have done some things that may have caused this lapse in memory? You know what I like most about a rook? While it normally moves in a straight line, can sometimes break the rules. You and me, we're, we're working together. We're both survivors. George Asper grabs your arm. You feel like your wrist is about to snap. And without his mouth moving, you hear him say, We cannot go back. start this episode off with a fear save for everybody all right here we go fear save mothership has three different saves body saves fear saves and sanity saves body being like your ability to withstand punishment and viral sicknesses fear being your ability to uh withstand the unknown oh and sanity being coping with a world that doesn't make sense. Caster, the android. I believe everybody has to take disadvantage on a fear save because you exist. <laughs> so because Caster is an android, everybody else in the room has to roll a disadvantage for their fear save. Gail's face says it all. Dear listener, for those of you listening on the podcast... My dear wife is making a face I have come all too, I know all too well. <laughs> the poutiest of pouty faces. What does that mean, Dr. Freya Locke? I hold a nine and a 46, which means 46. I failed. And your fear, what is your, what number were you trying to roll is, under? I need to roll under a 30. Oof, Rook. Yeah. Uh, Marines are pretty fearless uh, with a goal of 49 for, for Rook. Uh, I would have succeeded with a 20, but at disadvantage, it's going to be a critical failure with an 88. Oh, yeah. no. We'll get to that in just a moment, <sighs> that mm. critical failure. Caster. I am really fucking up your shit. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so darn creepy. <laughs> Ooh. I, I, got a, I got a 21. And my fear is an 87. I have a very high yep. fear. Yeah. Yes. Androids. Okay. So everybody uh, who failed needs to take add a stress, 
Where's everybody's stress at right now? I'm at a five. I'm at a three. What is Rook's stress right uh, now? Rook's at a seven. With, Rook is at a seven. With with the added stress that I just added just now. Yes. Yeah. All right. So everybody's really stressed. You just had a critical failure. You're going to have to do a panic check. Okay. A panic um, check being that he needs to roll a d20 and get above a seven. To not panic. To not panic. Why would Rook ever panic? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, success with a with a twelve. Success with a twelve. Everybody is frightened. Perhaps there's even a yelp from the people standing around this table that you've all put George Asper on top of, as he's writhing around, his mouth clenched shut in this spasm. And when your lights go out. The room goes into a very dim light. The sun is setting. And from the atrium, the, the, the greenhouse, there is a red sunset light being filtered through. And it's casting shadows around the room. And a little bit, a little sliver of, of this red light is coming through the airlock, the two airlock doors that are wide open. Is he still gripping me extra hard? When that burst happens, you, you are able to pull yourself free from his grip. And he is starting to calm the violence of his shaking, almost like there was a, some kind of release of tension. Okay. Holy fucking shit. Did we feel like that pulse of energy came from him? It, it happened so quickly, you're not really yeah. sure. And did you say the lights burst? Like, almost like the a... The bulbs inside bulbs your burst. your headlamps of your of your vac suits? Yeah. Popped. Ugh. Casta, do you mind telling me what the fuck is going on? I wish I could. Unfortunately, I know as much as you. Where's, where's power? Where's... Can we... Can we get some lights on in here? You know, that's a great question, Dr. Locke. Melanie, you have been quiet as a mouse this entire time. How are you doing? <laughs> Not good. Not good. This is fucked. Do you know where there is a generator or some source of power? And she she's looking around and she has she has studied these plans. But she's she's looking around as though like if she's trying to remember the blueprint of how it should work. But you can see been here before. <laughs> exactly. You can see there's a little lack of recognition of like, is this how it actually goes? And she's looking around the room. There's like a huge computer panel that I mentioned last episode that looks like it was singed, possibly from some kind of explosion. There's a uh, a large computer screen on the wall. And as she's looking around for a generator Caster, you see her freeze in space, and she's she's trying to look through this dim light at the computer terminal. And Caster, you follow her gaze, and on a section of the computer terminal, you can see drawn right on the screen is a cartoon drawing of a rhinoceros. Devantis, that does look like your handiwork. I've seen you draw things like that before. 
And the rest of you may be learning this for the first time. You may have items that have been vandalized with little cartoon drawings, maybe a notebook, maybe a backpack or a jacket, a duffel bag, with this little kind of sharpie colored drawing of a rhinoceros. So it it seems like a sharpie, not like blood or mud or... It doesn't look... This this particular one, the one on the screen, uh, I was referring more to like stuff that have been... Uh, your property before this day. Oh, okay. Right, like in the past, okay. on the trip, during the training regiments before we got here, these little rhinoceros show up and nobody would say who was who was the one messing with people's stuff. Melanie, was that you this whole time? Yeah. What? Why? Is that really a big deal to you right now? It's not a big fucking deal. Well, it's now, like, on the terminal, like... I believe it proves without a shadow of a doubt, though, that we specifically have been here. I thought that was already established. What, you're telling me some other people just came here and built the haven right here? I know that there was some doubt in some of you, and I was just reiterating. That's all. Also, we have to remember, on the outside here, before we entered in, there was those... There was, like, tread... Tread tracks, kind of like a tank. And I don't know what that is, so just something to be aware of. It is very disconcerting that that does not seem to be equipment that we brought with us. Yeah. George, uh, how, how is George doing? <laughs> George is, as you guys are talking, you, you realize that you're not hearing a lot of noise from George. And you can hear him, all you can hear now is him breathing. This just kind of heavy snoring or breathing like he just passed out. George, what did you mean by we can't go back? You come over closer and you can just see like the fog of his breath on the front of his visor and his eyes are closed. I take out the notebook, Barry's, what I think was Barry's notebook, and I turn to the page where in blood is written we can't, uh, can't go back and I put it on the I put it on George's chest, actually, for everybody to see. I think Barry wrote that. And now George said it. Hmm. Quite peculiar. Rook, as everybody's looking down, you notice out of the corner of your eye a shadow eclipsing some of the light from the airlock. And then the light is back again as if something just moved in front of that doorway. Everybody, stay low and shut the fuck up. As I go ahead and and, uh, prime one shot of the combat shotgun. Okay. And slowly begin to walk down the passageway towards that source of movement. You start to move delicately towards the airlock. Dr. Freya Lock. You hear very slightly a clicking sound above you. Look up. You look up. 
and this figure drops directly down on top of the table where you all were just standing, right on top of George Asper. (gasps) And what you see is a live version of the creature, Fido, as you called it, from the ship. I need <laughs> I need Dr. Freya Locke to make a panic roll. Oh jeez, okay. Uh fourteen. Fourteen. Which is well above your stress of I think it's five. five. Okay. Now Dr. Freya Locke is close to the table. Devontes is close to the computer terminal. Caster, where did you imagine yourself being between all of this? I imagine myself maybe following like 10 feet behind Rook or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So you're next to Rook. So, Rook, when you turn around, you hear the sound of this creature landing on top of the table. Between you and that table, about 20 feet away, Caster is in between the two of you, this creature that is on top of George Asper. Behind that creature is Dr. Freya Locke. So from Rook's perspective, it's Caster then a little bit further, the creature and the table on top of George Asper, then just past that is Freya Locke, and then just further past that is Melanie Devantes. Mm. If that helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're gonna start with you. What do you want to do? I'm gonna immediately turn around uh, an expression of concern, and you know, I need to do some saving here right now. And I'm gonna give Caster just a quick glance, and under my, and I'm gonna yell at Caster. Um, you know, you got some saving to do, and I'm gonna immediately sprint down the hallway, kind of like shoulder checking him as I go by accident in this worried state. Um, yeah. Already just trying to get close enough to have a sure shot of the uh, creature. Yeah, and so the deal with the shotgun is that. It sprays out. Yeah. And with these people around, there is a risk. Right. Hmm. <laughs> now, uh, keep in mind, if it's if you want to play it like, fuck it, I got to go and shoot this thing. I'm not thinking about my character's not thinking about that. Then we're going with that. He did also tell us to get down. And I think that yeah. I, I think Freya would have yeah. crouched a little. Which is true. George Caster- Asper, however, is... Yeah, George Asper is right there. Yeah, Caster is already holding the crowbar, so I would assume they don't have hands. So I'm gonna go ahead and as I'm running, I I'm think gonna, Melanie has the Melanie, yeah, Melanie I, has I, the crowbar. Yeah, Melanie okay. has the crowbar. So let me just go ahead and retcon here. As I run down, I'm gonna look behind at Caster, uh, throw them the shotgun, uh, in sort of like an underhand toss, and I'm gonna immediately try to do like a a dive to try to wrestle the creature yeah, away from the yes. top of uh, Dr. Asper. Fucking um, A, man. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. Rook, yeah. you are running down this hall. You are underhand tossing the combat shotgun, which has already been primed. You just have to turn and shoot. Yeah. And everybody saw him do this when he said, everybody stay low and shut the fuck up. You toss that to Caster, correct? Yeah. Yes. And then you're running down the hall. You get to the table and you leap 
to go tackle this fucking thing off of George Asper. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. It is. Fucking and then, a. Yeah, I'm going to just die for it. Uh, can I, is it going to be like a combat roll? So or? This, it's going to be a combat roll. And if you want to look at your stats and figure out what it is that you need mm. to add, let me know what you're trying, what you're, how you add it up so the people listening at home can kind of fall along yeah. on the character sheet. Oh. Uh, either one, it could be a- athletics or military training. I would assume this would be more on the athletic side. Um, okay, yeah, because you're like it's it's a you're diving, right? I don't know if right. they train like how to jump over tables in the military. Maybe they do. And I'm I'm, I'm wearing that that suit, right? You're you are, which uh, impedes your dexterity a little bit. Sure, but I think in this case, it kind of adds to your ability to outweigh and muscle this thing, right? Because you're just launching yourself at it. Yeah, and as I'm launching, I'm kind of like trying to place my hands like towards the mouth, just to kind of pry it open uh, the jaw just to prevent it from biting anymore yeah um trying to just trying to snap the jaw into two pieces well uh, okay Go straight yeah for the jaw. let's do the let's do the roll and see if you can get under this athletics wow just barely with a 53 i succeed with the uh, plus 10 to combat so yeah i do succeed so you tackle this creature off the table you guys tumble over george asper the book, the notebook kind of skitters to the floor and spins around into the shadows. Remember, this room's kind of dim and dark. You can see a little bit of the light. Freya Locke, Caster, the two of you see the creature and Rook rolling into that sliver of red light nearby the table that part of Caster's shadow is in the way of. You can see a little bit of his form on the ground as they kind of wrestle almost inside of Caster's shadow. And with that success, Rook, you're able to get on top of this creature. And for the moment, it you're kind of wrestling its mouth to the ground as it is snapping and baring its teeth at you. You fray a lock. You see the tail is whipping about behind Rook. Freylock, what do you want to do? With him kind of keeping it secured, restrained, um, I I feel like knowing enough about biology and anatomy of particularly dogs. I've had a lot of experience with dogs, and this isn't a dog, but it's dog-like creature. I want to see if I can think of pressure points that might d- disable it. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that sounds like a robot expression, but you know what I mean? Like the c- pressure points, like, you know, like, where you want to try like, to like Vulcan nerve pinch this? this <laughs> yeah, basically, or you know, or like solar a shot to the kidney or solar plexus, like kick it while it's down in the I right place what, that makes it. We'll make two rolls. Okay. One roll being you can do like a Xeno biology. Okay. Roll, and if you succeeded that, I'll let you do a. You can you can do a combat roll for like putting the boot to where you think this thing is not gonna enjoy it. Okay. Uh, critical success, 33. Oh, All right. nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking of like a greyhound, mm-hmm. there's like a section below the rib cage, between the rib cage and the hips, mm-hmm. where it narrows and the skin gets soft. Mm-hmm. And that is where like it, its belly can expand when it eats. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the softest area and could and because it's so thin you might have a really good chance of hitting some organs or some nerves in the spine if yeah. you if you dig your boot in really hard with a critical success could i make my combat roll with advantage uh yeah fuck it man yeah you okay. got a critical success let's do it 
<laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, her combat's like shit, right? Like, what's terrible. her combat? What is your combat, Gail? 30, and I just rolled an right, 89. Okay. You rolled an 89? Yeah. So second roll. Come on. Yes, 21. <laughs> okay. All right. Unarmed, I think damage is like a D10 divided by... It's a D5. So okay. roll a D10 divided by 5. Okay. Or a 2. Uh, so I rolled a 6, so a 3. So 3. You boot this thing as hard as you possibly can right into the... Uh, right under the ribs, the uh, the bread basket, as mm-hmm. Gorilla Monsoon would say. And you hear it kind of yelp, this mm-hmm. guttural yelp. And it gives Rook a chance to kind of get it, his hands further into those jaws to like hold it tight yeah caster Freya Locke and Rook are tag teaming the shit out of this <laughs> this monster that is about to have a turn after you <laughs> so uh, what would you like to do they're all in the way so you don't really have a, a good shot because Rook's on top and Locke is mm-hmm. also next to it so what are you what are you thinking caster's kind of shocked all of a sudden to be holding <laughs> holding a shotgun uh, and he's going to try and get close enough and see if there's any way because Asimov's laws won't even allow him to take a shot if it would endanger human I would think Yeah. Mm. so is there any way getting close enough where he could even like you know put the shotgun like on the skin of this dog where it wouldn't it wouldn't have any type of collateral damage you'd have to get really close and you would essentially be like getting in close and then kneeling down onto it yeah this is how i imagine it you're like pushing it up to its chest right there's room for the holy spirit between rook (laughs) and the creature you're fitting a shotgun in between there and pressing it up against the chest of this creature and you're about to pull this trigger combat roll for caster what kind of combat does caster have it's not good <laughs> it's uh, not good which means that if you fail this could go wrong well could i even pull the trigger if there's that risk that that's my question i think it depends on your probabilities do you feel like you have done everything possible to save this and have outweighed the circumstances of not shooting this thing? Do you think that it's better to try and shoot it to save the group than not? If not, then we won't do it. If there's a risk of Caster shooting some uh, someone, I, I, I don't think he, he, can, he can take the shot. So... He will instead use the butt of the gun to attack. Okay. Yeah. All right. So still roll roll a uh, roll roll a combat failure. What did you roll? Seventy six. Oh, okay. oh my gosh! We've been like one off critical failures. Could have been bad. Could have By bad. the way, add stress for failing. Oh yeah, you add every time you fail a combat. Every time you roll a fail a check, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not great. All right. It adds up fast. (laughs) Yeah. That's the idea anyway. Okay. So you rolled a 76. You try to hit it and it bucks underneath Rook having just been hit by Dr. Freya Locke. It's now starting to fight back. 
your uh, the butt of the shotgun hits the ground, and there is like a moment where you may have almost just shot yourself in the face, <laughs> oh, right? Gosh. Like there's that fear of like I just hit this gun on the ground, and your brain just goes that could have just went off in my face, <laughs> and now it's the creature's turn. So this is gonna be fun. Uh, <laughs> oh man, it is going to claw and bite. So it's going to do two attacks. It's going to claw and bite at Rook. We're going to start with the claw. Trying to get this marine, this badass. Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah, that's going to hit. We got a 16 on that one. And you are going to take six points of damage as... And three of those are absorbed by the vac suit. Oh, but the vac suit is... So so now it's torn through the arms of your vac suit, rendering it essentially useless in in terms of like being able to protect you from the elements mm. as it rips down. And so and then the three over that is what you take away from your your HP. Okay. Okay. Damn. Yeah. So it it cuts through with these like talon fingers. You see it rip the sleeves down of Rook's vac suit and blood is starting to come up on his skin where it's clawed him. And then it is going to hit again with its bite. When that happens, your hands come loose from its jaws, reflective, you know, reflexively, like when your mm-hmm. hands get clawed, almost like touching a hot stove. And you're going to take another 13. Oh my God. Okay. So are we, hitting, a, are we hitting a wound? We're hitting a wound right now. Guys. So I have six HP currently. So I would for sure lose a wound. Does that seven it, go into yeah, the next and one? And the okay. other seven goes into the next one. So oh. it's going to bring me down to eight, eight, eight out of 15 with two oh. wounds. So I just lost a wound just now. All right. So once you hit a wound, we're going to have to roll on the wound table. Yeah. The wound table is crazy. Yeah, I'm seeing the same thing. Fighting in mothership is one of those one of those deals where it's like, make sure this is what you really want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why David was thinking real hard about that stuff. <laughs> is there any chance I'm gonna kill somebody else? <laughs> Would this be a a bleeding wound? Yeah, bleed. Okay. Um I could die. <laughs> so what what happens? So in order to do this, he needs to roll a d10. Yeah. The the number the number he needs to avoid rolling. There's two really. Uh well there's a lot. But a lot. one of nine <laughs> nine is he instantly dies. Yeah. Uh eight is a major artery is cut. Oh my gosh. So oh. and then it's not that much better underneath that. So we're going to roll this D10. Uh, well, it goes oh, zero. zero to nine. Yeah. Oh, zero oh. to nine. Okay. Zero, to nine. Uh, okay. zero is like he drops an item. Wow. Okay. Uh, which is zero. what we're rooting for. Zero. It was uh, It was nice knowing you guys. I'm going to go ahead and roll now. Oh, my gosh. This Here we same. go. That's an eight. So major <gasps> artery cut. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, yeah, not great. Not great. You, oh, it reaches up. When it claws your arms, your hands go up. You pull back away from this thing clawing down your biceps. And when you do, it reaches up 
and bites you right in the collarbone area. Yeah. And Caster, you're on like one side of him and Freya Locke is on the other side. And Caster, blood splurts out from this wound across your metal head. Uh, oh boy. Oh my gosh. If there is not attention paid to this, you guys could this could be bad for Rose. I, I have to I have to uh roll a D ten fatal in one D ten rounds. What if I made Gail roll it? Yeah, because are... uh, essentially like oh. they they would be taking care of me regardless, right? So as a field medic, maybe I'm like, yeah. oh I know how long he she's has the medic. based on You that. know how long he's got. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm Gail, not really paying attention to that. Yeah. yeah Go for yeah. it. Okay. Okay. Oh my god. D ten. If you roll a one, Gail, I'm gonna be livid i always oh, hang on hang on no, before we do this hang no on no pressure hang on no pressure i want to tell you guys something just a little story for you guys watching and for everybody listening at home and especially for the two people playing at the table whenever my character my players are traveling and i do random encounters they're moving from space to space and i make them roll a d6 and on a one a random encounter happens I almost always make Gail roll the die because she throws ones like nobody else. (laughs) It's true. I do not deny. (laughs) I'm going to roll at the same time as you just for like, just to feel good about it. So I'm going to roll at the same time as you just to see like what I could have gotten if I rolled myself. Okay. So Uh, are you ready? Don't tell me though. Tell, I'm me tell, later. <laughs> tell, I'll tell you tell later. Tell me way later. You ready to roll? <laughs> All right, uh, On three. One, two, three. Dude, Rook, roll a 10. Let your you, um, reaction was Okay, awful. well, how, how, let me just say that I'm glad that Gail rolled. Because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, I um, I got a one. So it's good that. And I will tell you, I did not get a one. Are you going to tell us what <laughs> so it is? Am I allowed to? Do, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, For everybody listening, they need to know. Okay. Uh, I rolled an eight. Eight. Woo! Ooh, sweet. Nice. Yes. And then, Jay, just, just so the audience know, and just so that we know, because it works differently in, depending on what game you're playing, how, how long is a round? Like, yeah, that's a good question. So, the so way I do a round is you all get your turn, and I get my turn, and that's a round. In terms but of, like, in terms of real time, time, is it in like, in terms yeah, of seconds, time, like... uh, we'll say 10 seconds. Sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, you've got. 86. Minute and a half. Basically. A minute and a half from now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Somebody needs to fix you in a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I told you guys, today was going to be fun. <laughs> All right. So I just went. Blood just splurts out of Rook. Melanie hasn't gone. Uh, Melanie hasn't gone, so or what is George, she going to do? But I think George is George is uh, George okay. is sleepy. Um, George is sleepy. Okay. <laughs> George is tired. George is conveniently asleep. Um, <laughs> all right, she is going to first. She needs to make a panic roll, right? Make. Her stress is very high. Oh. The rhinoceros thing fucked her up. Oh. All right. Oh, no. She didn't make her panic roll. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. Uh, but she gets advantage. Once per session on a panic check oh. as a teamster. I'm just is that true or are you fucking yes. with me right now? No, no that, that is. is. That is. 
Okay. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I got, I'm grabbing. <laughs> I'm grabbing at straws, man. Come on, come on, guys. It's Melanie. Come it's on. Melanie. Come on. She, she's All in right, the lead at the very so, end. So oh, I rolled the wrong dice. Melanie. I'm supposed to roll a d20. Oh. Okay, that was better. I went from a 7 to an 18. She does not panic, so then she is going to uh, see this creature bending forward, like doing a, a curl, a setup, as it is biting into Rook, and she's going to swing her crowbar as hard as she possibly can into the back of this fucking thing's head and she rolled her combat's not good because she's a teamster she rolled a 55 which is a critical failure oh, oh no <laughs> oh no oh no she's gonna freaking hit me like a pinata right now is that, yeah. is that what's gonna happen <laughs> or something you said it not me uh <laughs> she <laughs> thankfully it's a crowbar so and i rolled an eight so you're going to get four more damage as this crowbar, like, cracks you right on top of... Oh, man. Like, right at your hairline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Poor Rook, man. I'm sorry, dude. Uh, thanks for coming to play with us, though. This oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Would it be my turn? Uh, it is... It is. Yeah. I'm so glad you guys stopped me to make sure I got Melanie's turn in. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Rook is crowbar. extra happy. I regret happy. this decision immediately. Uh, a man that's oh, going to die in a minute and a half. He's di- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Round one of Rook's death spiral. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do, Rook? It's pretty bad. So um, I, I would like to assume that the creature's like claw is kind of like it's it's in my vac suit still a little bit. It's kind of mm-hmm. like hanging in there like it's snagged. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna go ahead and use my hand-to-hand combat, and kind of um, use my sort of um, like jujitsu training. And then when when Melanie hits me, it kind of propels me forward, and I'm kind of uh, like in MMA terms, I'm kind of like in top guard. And I'm gonna yeah. use that to kind of transition to kind of uh, roll the creature over and try to go for like a rear naked choke to kind of like rather than kill it to kind of like s- submit it and and knock it unconscious. Yeah. Um, and kind of hold and hoping that it runs out of breath before, before I Before you run out of blood. Uh, yeah, this before I run sick. out of blood. And oh. so essentially, it's going to be on top of me, pushing its weight down onto me as I'm trying to choke it uh, yes. while I'm on the floor. Uh, yes. Out. Oh, my God. Um, it's like so that it's, scene from No Country for Old Men. Yeah. <laughs> he's fucking choking that guy out, except it's a goddamn alien. Let's go. Hand-to-hand combat. What's that all add up to? What are you trying to roll under for this roll? I'm trying to roll underneath a 61. So, yeah. All right. So, yeah. 61. I use I use the claw that's snagged into the vac suit as kind of like a, a gi, essentially, to yeah. kind of use it as a... I'm with you. I got you. Oh, I boy. watch UFC almost every week. <laughs> that's an eight. Success. That's an eight. Success. You roll through with this. What would you like the effect of this to be? That you were like restraining this thing or you're choking its life out? You're trying to suffocate it. I'm trying to suffocate it or stun it or essentially uh, prevent it from trying to attack as it's trying to divert its attention to freeing itself. So here's what we've done. You've rolled through in this grapple. You've taken its back, applied the choke, right? You've got it wrapped in. Mm. Uh, you're underneath it. You all are looking at this creature, its belly and undercarriage completely on display, its arms 
These skinny, gnarly little arms that end in talons are flailing about. They don't bend back. Like, it doesn't have the same kind of range of motion. So now you're in a position where it's not going to be able to claw you either, Rook. Like, if you could imagine, like, a horse can't, like, scratch its own back, right? So it's not going to be able to claw you. The tail is still live. It's still whipping about. But you hear like a little bit of crunch as you apply this pressure with everything you got. You know that time could be short for you. You're putting everything you got into this. And you hear like a little bit of crunch in that kind of exoskeleton of this creature as you're applying uh, the pressure. Dr. Freya Locke, what do you do? I see that Rook has barely two minutes to live and that he's using... Probably squeezing more blood out by squeezing this thing to choke it. And I good point. We should cut that in half then. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. It's just it's more like he's not calming down. It's not going to like knowing that like this this isn't going to slow until this beast is down. And I say to I say to Caster, grab the tail, and I want to run to where I think my lab, my equipment would be, because I want to see if I can find a a sedative, a tranquilizer. I'm sure we've got something. And not that I know the dose, but, and, um, or my med kit, like, to try and take care of Rook real fast. You run to about where your lab is, because your lab is in the center center area. Yeah. You run over to the other side of the room. Unfortunately, it is... It's dark in here, right? Like, it's mostly mm-hmm. shadows. You're kind of searching in the the uh, moonlight, but or the, the sunset. Yeah. But I will allow you to make a... You have, like, an intelligence roll, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can intellect. roll under that, then you're going to know... Because we kind of established that you were... Like, in the very first episode, you were checking and double-checking all your stuff. You probably studied and knew exactly what your lab layout would be. I imagine Freylock to be very um, anal Uh, about that kind of stuff, right? Yes. Anal retentive. Yes. So, uh, yeah, if you can give me an intelligence check, then you can go straight to the drawer where you think it would be. 65. That won't make it. No. You go over there, and you're scrambling in the panic... You're you're not thinking about that space anymore. Well, I'm kind of turned around, and I realize, like, I thought I was headed towards yeah. the back of the lab, and it's like, oh, this is the right side of the lab. Where's the back of, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Like, I don't have my compass directions right. Somebody turn mm-hmm. a goddamn light on. Yeah. Uh, turn does she, the lights! <laughs> does she gain a stress for that? Yeah. Oh, that's true, I do. Okay. Okay. Uh. I like it when my players Thanks, police Thanks. everybody else's shit. <laughs> you going down with me. <laughs> if I fail, you fail too. <laughs> Would you guys like to make a fear save at disadvantage real quick? Because uh, that seems that seems uh, applicable. All right. She said to grab a tail caster. She runs off into the shadows. Caster, what do you want to do? Well, first of all, having almost just shot my face off, I'm going to <laughs> gently bend down. And uh, put put the gun on the ground, and then <laughs> I'm going to rotate back up and run over and grab and try and wrestle this tail down to the ground. 
right. and you know even like lay on top of it if I need to. Give me a little combat roll to to grab a hold of this. Can I do this tail. with strength? This, yeah, this like, are you doing strength roll? Sure, here. sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I like okay, it. Yeah. Okay. What's your strength? Thirty-four. It's Wait. better than my combat. <laughs> Is your combat a thirty? My combat's a fourteen. Oh, okay. All right. So it's <laughs> yeah, doubling your odds. I like it. All right, let's go. Yeah. Thirty-four. <laughs> I'll allow it. So 86. Uh-huh. <laughs> you guys. This is going so well, you guys. I'm really proud of our coordination. This is going so good. All right. You go to wrestle for this tail. And it's just whipping about. And your your ability, you're kind of like, almost like dexterity. It's, it's kind of hard to like move your body in a way that's fast enough to get your hands around it. And as soon as you touch a hold of it, it like slips out. Melly Devantes is going to try to hit this thing right in the stomach with the crowbar. Pray for Melanie. All right, we got 16. She's going to hit, guys. Yeah. I mean, she's going to do, what was that, one damage? Oh. Or two. Two two damage. Uh, I think we're at like six Six. total damage you guys have inflicted on this thing. It's not good, guys. Oh, man. Six is not great. But I mean, it's also getting suffocated, right? Like, it it's is take, it, it is totally getting suffocated. It is totally suffocation damage each round. Here, okay. let me roll how many rounds before you can suffocate it, and I'll know. All right, That's, that checks out. Can you suffocate this before you die? That's the question we're going to ask. But now it is its turn, Caster. As you're trying to wrestle around this tail, you grab it for a moment. And in your fingers, you see a ripple move through the tail. And the very end of this tail splits open like a, like a starfish split. And this five-inch long spike comes out of the tail. And it surprises you. It rips out of your hands and then tries to spike you in your metal face. And... You are able to dodge your head out of the way as this tail spikes forward in your direction. Your reflex is quick enough just for this instance to get out of the way of this thing before it puts out one of your cybernetic eyes. Oh my. dear listener i hope you're enjoying the show i just wanted to take this moment to tell you about how you can help out of depth produce even more cool stuff like the podcast you are listening to right now for one you can recommend our show to other folks looking for podcasts getting our show into the ears of more people is our number one goal right now so if you could just recommend it to friends and strangers leave reviews all of that would really help us out if you are in a position to do more than that, you can head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash get out of depth. It's where you can subscribe at any tier you feel comfortable with for as long as you feel it's worth it. Those funds help us keep the show running, do even more cool projects, and allow us to afford more collaborators to work with. Their time and contributions to our shows are so valuable, and you can help support these efforts by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash get out of depth 
Patrons also have access to bonus material for the shows like character questionnaires, my game prep notes, and exclusive videos like a post-mortem Q&A with the Analysis Complete cast once this series finishes up. Gail and I have lots of fun plans for the future as we continue to grow our audience, and if you want to see them come to fruition, please head over to patreon.com slash getoutofdepth and become a patron today. Thank you so much for listening. Holy shit. I really appreciate it. Now with that out of the way, let's get back to the show and see what mysteries and terrors our players might uncover next. Rook, you're bleeding out. You can continue to hold this. Every round, you're going to have to continue to make this check to keep the pressure on. So your option is continue to keep doing this until you make this thing pass out, and you don't know when that's going to be. Or let go and try something else. What would you like to do? How far away is the shotgun from... Oh, that's right, yeah. Caster just laid it down, (laughs) so it is... There's your options, my friend. You can let go for it, let go of it and go for the shotgun, which is like maybe, I don't know, a foot away from you. Like, cause he's right next to you. I imagine it being on your right side near your hip, but you would have to let go to grab the shotgun, obviously. So the question is, do you want to continue rolling this hand to hand combat roll to keep this thing locked down? Or when you hear the clink of that shotgun hitting the ground, do you want to go for the shotgun and see if you can get this thing over fast? And hopefully that Dr. Freylock knows what the hell she's doing. Rook, Rook doesn't have firearms, like, official training. Yeah. Um, I could probably get away with military training, but it's not firearms, which just would be an extra one. I think that Rook kind of has that instinct where once he's already finally set up that choke, he has to, like, it's like, almost kind of ingrained into the body to kind of hold that choke like a bow constrictor until either they tap, which it's not a human person, so they're not going to tap, or until it stops moving type of thing. So I'm actually going to go ahead and try to keep and maintain that choke. All right, go for it. And it's still going to be with a plus 15, so it's going to be yeah. a um, 61 again. 61, cool. We're good with an 18. Nice. There we go. All right, Rook's still powering through this blood loss. Blood is kind of spurting out. As he continues to apply pressure, it's pulling up around his hair that hasn't been growing over the last 267 days. Why you gotta bring that up? Uh, <laughs> uh, just, uh, it's, it's details, brother. I'm just bringing the details out. Uh, <laughs> so he's he's keeping it locked in, and you sense a little bit of panic in the creature as it it's like it's not in a good position. Doctor Freya Locke, you're still searching your stuff. I'm gonna say you wasted around trying to find it but now that you've got turned around you can open up a drawer and you're able to find a stem pack uh that's the first thing you see is there something else you're looking for a stem pack i feel like that's almost like adrenaline and like methamphetamines and stuff like that like i feel like that's an up those are uppers sure which is not what i want um but I pocket there might it. be there might be something else in there that could help out. Um, 
Oh, in the pack? Is that how it works? I mean, it, it definitely, like, uh, gives that kind of juice because the person who uses it gets D10 health, grants advantage, uh, strength and combat for the next two D10 minutes. But there's a danger of addiction, so it's kind of a... It's I think your characterization of it being a an upper is probably accurate. But what else we got? Uh, what, I mean, what I specifically would you... It. Sure. I, I'm either... Because I can't really do surgery right now. I, I was almost looking for... Again, some sort of sedative or tranquilizer. Um, okay. For the creature. For the creature. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. You find two pain sedatives that have to be loaded into one of those like needle guns. Mm-hmm. But you find two doses of that that could shut somebody's lights out. Okay. Do, I don't I don't have the needle gun. I'd have to continue searching for that. No, it's there. It's there. Oh, you just okay, have to okay. load it I and just... use it. I also okay. want to point out, like, it, this creature's got some rubbery whale-like skin, so it might be difficult to... That's you'd right. have to find a soft spot to... Okay. It's um, possible. I, uh, yeah. I'm going to pocket stem pack and um, start loading the okay. needle gun. Because um, okay. I think I'm going to need both. Freylock furiously working in the shadows, trying to load this Well, I'm, can, can I, like, as I'm heading back, that might be next turn, but that's what I'm about to do is, like, head back towards more light and I'm trying to give like a, a narration sorry. that's really dark and sick but I'm not gonna give you a disadvantage of it I just wanted to sound cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> in the shadows Dr. Freya Locke is trying to load this what do you call those those needle guns tranquilizer gun that's not what I'm talking about hmm. it's not it doesn't shoot it oh it, it's syringe just, you, guns or yeah, syringe like it, yeah like it pre- you press oh, it up yeah. to yeah. somebody's skin and you just pull a trigger it sticks them. Yeah. It's one of those. Them. Okay. So you are loading that up. Caster, you just dodged this tail. What would you like to do now? Um, you can see that Rook is trying to choke the life out of this thing. So Caster is going to walk around to the other side, and from the other side, he's going to try and grab his neck and help. Help. Like you're uh, applying Rook. pressure. Yeah, from the other side. Like I'm trying to constrict. Well, he has it his... like like kind of like a sleeper hold, so he's right. on his back. Yeah, and he's got his arms wrapped around its throat. So you're not going to be able to put your hands yeah. around. Yeah, if you go its for throat. the yeah, you would press on my arm. Yeah, so you wouldn't be able to grab its throat because it's his. He's got his whole arm wrapped around his throat. I I couldn't get like my arm under it to like just kind of like have an extra. No, but you could like you could like just try to squeeze the fucking air out of because yeah, his chest that's is That's what exposed. I was thinking is with the yeah. like diaphragm. You could do like, like the you... you could do like the robot like a trash compactor move <laughs> on its chest and yeah. just try to push the air out of it. Yeah. Like you're burping a baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like you're just like, what if I push on? I don't know. Wouldn't that suck? Like if you're getting choked out and somebody just steps on your stomach, like you're not going to be able to hold your breath any longer after that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Is Uh, that what you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to try and and help Rook, you know, just take this creature out sooner. Get, uh, but I'm also going to be like, (laughs) Oh, this is bad. This is very, very bad. (laughs) As I do it. Just muttering to myself. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Give the strength check to like, Grip a hold of it and and start pushing that air out. <laughs> this is funny. It's an eighty. Eighty. Oh my god, caster! It's like wiggling around underneath you, yeah. and it's using its arms to kind of bat your arms. 
away. Melanie Devantes takes another swing at its chest. She's seeing what you're doing and it's just like, I will beat the air out of it <laughs> with this goddamn Go uh, crowbar. And she almost critically fails as she swings. She kind of hits it in the meat of its, where it's like rib cages. And, and it just kind of bounces off this this creature's whale rubbery skin. The creature's turn. It is going to try to break free of this chokehold because it is it is actually not doing so well. And it is going to wiggle out and Rook, you're gonna feel it twist into you. The blood from your collarbone is creating a slick surface and your arm isn't able to keep the grip on it. You know, if we're talking about jujitsu, it's like whenever you're in the third round and they're sweating. Right, right, right. They're wet. Yeah, it's a wet body. Mm -hmm. Um, So now it's creating like a wet surface and you're not, and it slips into you and it is now on top of you, but it used up its turn to get out of it, but is now clearly in an advantageous situation. This fight is fucking awesome. I don't care. <laughs> this is amazing. It's just getting from bad to worse. But maybe better? I don't know. Could get could get good here in a second. But it is on top of you. It's mouth, these sharp dagger teeth out of this almost dog-shaped greyhound mouth are bearing at you and you see just like these black eyes that have that dead look like sharks have. Of like the abyss. All they know is kill staring into your soul. Rook, what do you want to do? I would like to imagine that as it whips around on top of me, its tail shoves the shotgun just a little bit closer to me and within arm's reach, okay? Yeah, let's do that. As I'm, like, trying to maintain it, out of the corner of my eye, the shotgun comes into right there, and it's, like, a for sure, like, I have to take it. So I take it, and I point it up at the chest area, and I'm going to yell out, fuck you, but like, it comes out like garbled as like a few air bubbles kind of come out the side of my neck here. You see the blood coming out of your mouth as you say, fuck you, spraying out into its face. It licks its lips as your blood meets its mouth. And I'm gonna go ahead and just take a shot here. Uh, So can I argue for my 46 for combat plus 10 for military training? Yes, yes, please. So that's going to be a 56 here. Let's go. Rook. 50 for a success. <gasps> 50. Yeah. All right. You are close, right close to it. Combat shotgun, close range. Combat shotguns, I believe, do just automatically, when you're close, do a wound. Yeah. Just take a whole wound off. This thing gets blasted back towards <laughs> off of you. It gets blasted off of you like 10 feet, hits the ground near where the airlock door is and slides across the room like another two feet in that direction. <laughs> so cool. Caster and, and Melanie who are nearby like had that moment of like, oh, he picked up the gun and you move up and then <laughs> boom. And it just flies between the two of you through the air <laughs> and lands on the ground. Freylock, like the sound of the shotgun probably jolts you out of this like frantic search for uh, some medical attention for our friend here. 
and you are able to watch this creature flying through the air in the this red light of the uh, the setting sun that's filtered through this this airlock door. Freylock, what do you want to do? I'm rushing into the room. All right. You head over to the room. Which direction you want to go? You see the, to your right, you can see the, the creature on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's still alive, uh, writhing around in pain, but it's, you can see wet on the ground. Probably mm-hmm. it's blood. And then to your left is the, uh, is our friend Rook, who is okay. also covered in blood. The smoke of his shotgun still curling through the light. I think I want to run up to where the wound is. The wound? The wound of the creature. You're going to the creature. I'm going to the creature. Oh, he's opened it up. Yes. That's what you're saying. I like that. And I'm he's going opened to it up for the for nice the shot. Shrink it. Okay. Um and also kind of be if I can, like putting my weight on top of it, like kind of hopping on top of it. Yeah, you wanna do that? Yeah. Hell yeah, you do. Because it, it's going to get back up. And I it's need only 12 to episodes. <laughs> it's only 12 Let's episodes. Do, this. No, do, I, do what you yeah. got to do. Yeah, again, kind of knowing what I know about biology and like what's the best places for this creature to probably be restrained. I'll tell you like, what, because it just took a wound, because Rook just blasted across the room, you're going to have advantage on this roll mm-hmm. to, to shoot this thing in the, the gut. Okay. With this tranquilizer. What kind of role is this then? I feel like it's combat because you're trying to attack it with a weapon. Yeah. Essentially, right? Yeah. So it'd be a combat, but you you get advantage on it. Oh, that's so close. Um, but not not quite close enough. So my combat is a thirty. I rolled a thirty-seven, and a one. You rolled a one. I All right, a that's one. A, that's a success. Nice. All right, you. So. I want, I want you to tell me exactly what you want to accomplish in this. Like, how do you do it? How do you do this? I hear the gunshot and running because I'm afraid that somebody's hurt. I kind of glance, see the creature is still kind of stunned from this for a second. Um, but that everybody is over here and oh, relatively okay for a minute. I go, I jump on top of this. And where I see the blood, I nose the tranquilizer gun uh-huh. Um, in there and inoculate it. Nice. Is that what it's called? Inoculation guns? Inoculation guns, it, Isn't it? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. You go in, you press it. You shoot this in. It starts to wiggle underneath you. Mm-hmm. And it half-heartedly tries to make a, an attack with its claw. And I'm going to roll it at disadvantage. Oh, God. Yeah, it's going to fail. And then it slumps over, and you just see, like, its stomach extending as it's breathing very heavily. And blood is continuing to to pour out of its wound. And for a brief moment, everybody in the room is quiet. And the chaos of this battle has subsided. But the urgency is still there. I say, Caster, Melanie, get this thing out of here and close the airlock doors. And then I immediately go to Rook. You go over to Rook and Rook is, Rook, how would you describe this moment of like, you're starting to get lightheaded, like, you might be dying. It may be dawning on you that it's happened. Yeah, uh, as Doc, as uh, Dr. Locke approaches, uh, Rook still thinks that the um, creature is still alive. So as you know, there's blood in his eyes. As he sees a figure approaching, he's going to aim the shotgun towards ah! Dr. Locke out of, like, adrenaline. 
and try to like prime another <gasps> shot. Freya Locke, you yeah. stop in your footsteps as you hear the, the click of the shotgun. Rocket's me. Rocket's me. Rocket's me. Rocket's me. Uh, in my blood covered eyes, I'm going to just make out a shape of a non creature beast and out of exhaustion, I'm going to just drop the shotgun back and uh, just kind of just like lay there uh, to see what's going to happen next. As soon as you see that shotgun drop, you see like a gurgle of blood come up from uh. his chest, like from that artery that's that's been cut. Yeah, I hand the the trank gun to, or whatever, inoculation gun to um, yeah. Caster, and I say, stick that thing in the wound with it again and get it out of here. Melanie, go go find a med kit, bandages, anything. And I'm putting pressure on Rook's artery, and then I'm giving him the stem pack. I actually, yeah, how does a stem pack work? I don't, I don't, it's been a while since I, I don't think, I think I've it's a ever pill, used right? one in Is a mother's game. That was like Is a syringe. A- yeah, okay. let's call it a syringe. As you go ahead and apply the syringe, you kind of notice, um, like, um, in both arms, I have like syringe, like, like marks, like, um, like scars on the interior of the other side of the elbow. Yeah, you find easy entry. Yeah. So seven health, Rook. You get back. Okay. You need to make a body save. In this game, there is a danger of addiction and/or overdose if items like stem packs are used too frequently. Success with a one. Nice. nice. Some ones tonight. Some I like ones it. Tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After you guys rolled terribly, they came at a very <laughs> fortuitous time. Uh, you get your seven health. You're not addicted to it. There's, uh, addiction in this game could mean a lot of things, but mechanically it would mean that you would need to use two stem packs in the future oh, to get the okay. same effect. But could it's, also it's a mean. Tolerance. But there's also. Okay. It, it's a tolerance, but it's also yeah. like. It could possibly mean overdose at that point when you start using, like, too many, right? Yeah. So you're able to give him seven hit points, which I'm going to say is going to buy you a little bit of time to get to work on this. Melanie is pulling dust-covered equipment out of the lab. Caster, what are you doing during all this? So Caster is dragging the body of this dog through the airlock. To, to the outside. You drag it out to the outside and you can see the the sand and rocky hills, the sun starting to set. It's just this this um pimple of red over the horizon, over these jagged peaks. And then once it's outside, he is going to try and finish suffocating the life out of this dog. <laughs> Sick. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah, you totally do that. You like you look you look around. Oh great, the humans aren't around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Caster um applies pressure around the throat of this dog and strangles this dog to death. Does that mean that he didn't do as I ordered? And I uh, know that. Okay. Uh okay. <laughs> no, it's Strangling the dog to death, Fido, Fido 2. All right, Gail, you get your med kit, something that you can apply. There's no power in here yet because you guys haven't gotten the generator going. So first, uh, first I'm taking off my vac suit hands because <laughs> I, I need hands to, to really actually work with this. Um, I'm like getting some alcohol from the med kit and putting it on myself, um, putting it on his wound um, as well. I'm sure it stings, Rook, sorry. Um and um, 
I'm not able to see that well. And I'm like, Melanie, th- thank you. Uh, I need some sort of light source, get a flashlight, something, get, we, I, need, I need to be able to see. So mostly I'm just taking like bandages and really putting tons of pressure on this wound yeah. until I can, and, and, and looking to try and like make out the tools I need to like stitch this up. We're going to make two saves. Uh, well, two two checks. One of them is going to be some type of medical check on your part okay. to fix this as best okay. you can with what you have here. And the okay. other is going to be a body save on Rook's part. If they okay. both fail, this could be death. If one succeeds, he's definitely going to live, but depending on which one succeeds and which one fails will determine what state he's in afterwards. What does the stim pack give me again? Other than it does HP? give you advantage on strength and combat. Okay. But you but know not... what? Strength feels like a body thing. So yeah. I'm going to allow you to have a, an advantage on your... On my body save. On your body save. She gave you just enough juice to maybe get you through this. So... Yeah, I think for sure. If with you having an advantage on this, if both of you fail, Rook's gonna die. Gail, I'll have you go first. Okay, I'm using my field medicine uh, expert skill, um, which would be a sixty. Oh, uh, thirty-eight. Okay. 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 You're doing the uh, best you can. Yeah. Four page backstory, not gonna. <laughs> He's definitely gonna be alive. <laughs> yeah. But what is gonna be left? What's gonna be left? Uh, well, let me just see if I get a critical success here. Okay, so is is, is it at advantage? Is that at advantage? Yes. Sir. Well, good thing it's not at disadvantage. Otherwise, that would have been a seventy-seven. But I succeed with a two. With a two. All right. Yeah. So both successes. The the good news is that. I'm going to have you, you're going to need to coalesce for a little bit. When you're done coalescing, you're going to be able to have your max hit points up to two, right? So you'll, you'll, you're still maxing at two because we, we used up a wound. I'm at two wounds, but I'm at 15 out of 15. 15 out of 15 for each wound. Understood. Ah. Rook is passed out. Yeah, totally. Shut down. He needs to rest. He's stabilized, guys. But in order to give him an even better chance, you guys need to get some power going in this haven. Guys, we we need we need power. We need we need light. We need food. Ugh, gosh, we need to get we need to get this working. Uh, he needs to rest. Real quick, I go check on George. George has been stirring since you started operating, and he is just kind of sitting. Uh, looking a little dazed and he's pulling his helmet off is he clawed up at all I know no it's fine okay how how are you doing George I'm not sure I don't remember coming in here but I don't think I remember a lot of things we were attacked by one of those creatures the the one caster found in the on the ship I think you need to move around, um, and if you can, we're trying to we're trying to get things working in here because Rook's going to need to to rest before we head back. If we're heading back, yes, 
I will help any way I can. And Melanie Delvantes kind of interrupts and says, uh, Caster, come with me. We're going to go to the generator. Why, of course. And you all walk uh, outside a second set of airlocks that are on the opposite side of the building from the ones that you dragged the creature through, the ones that you entered through. She goes a, a, a different side of the building. And there's a uh, generator just outside around the corner. It's got, like, solar panels wired to it. And she uh, she looks at you. And once you guys get around the corner, she hugs you as tight as humanly possible. And you hear her start to sob on your shoulder. They're there, Melanie. They're there. Just remember... We may all be broken, but that's how the light gets in. And she pulls back, and she wipes the tears from her face. They've left these stains through the dirt from the travel that you guys have been through that day. And she turns around and squats next to the generator and starts opening it up a panel. And she's pulling out some wires. And she says, I need to plug these into you. I need a spark. Do whatever you need to do. And she turns you around and opens up a service panel on the on your backside. And she starts plugging these wires in. And she says, this is probably going to feel really weird to you uh, just for a moment. And Caster, you feel this kind of drain and this slowing down of your processes and then you're feeling this kind of surge of energy back and forth between the generator and you and when this happens i need you to make and there's no there's no stress added to this one i just need you to make a check it can be like an intelligence check and you can add all of your computer all your skills on top of it so 20 on top of your intelligence gives you a score of what that you're trying to roll under 69 nice Fucking zero. I got a two. I, I think we've. that's not the first time we've gotten a two. This, yeah, just no, that's really weird. That's what he we, just wrote had, for a body save. We've had like two ones and two twos. Yeah. But yeah, it's a double zero two. I'm going to start having you guys roll on Google or something. And I know. It's <laughs> getting kind of fucked up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you get a two and you are it's like something clicks in your memory banks. And you start to recall stuff that happened when you all were on Wolfram 16 the first time. Okay. What do I remember? You remember Martin Sapp came back from the East where he went to go investigate that electromagnetic aberration that is disrupting communications. And he seemed different. And the next day, he and Cass, unbeknownst to everybody, took the ATV and drove out in that direction. You remember this. And you remember everybody in the group was very upset about it. Do, do I remember around when this happened? Like, this, was this early on or was this... Towards the end. Towards the end. Uh, I think it's like a, I think it's like a day. It's two days before you shut yourself down for a diagnostics check. Okay. You remember everybody being upset about it and trying to figure things out. You also are able to recall that on the map, 
which I am going to share again on the map. You had conversations with Captain Wakefield and George Asper that they believe there is a structure right there where the question mark is on the map. So they told me that they... Why did they think there was a structure there, I guess? Or what kind of structure was it? They said it didn't look organically shaped. And it was rounded like a dome. So they were there. They were able to see it through uh, like a drone. Yeah. Who is this? That Wakefield and George Asper. Okay. Yeah. And there was conversations about going to go check it out. And people were split about checking out the water source, which people were upset about because of the, the flies, the acid spitting flies that they ran into. It was Martin who split off to the east to go to where the electromagnetic pulse that was disrupting communications, he was going to that, and that's what that red dot on the east is where they've pinpointed where they would be at. Yeah. So you have a few different locations, one being this structure made by some kind of sentient form. They think, you know, there's a lot of instances, even today, like in the real world, where they see stuff on Mars and it looks real. And then they get a rover over there and it's just like, it's just kind of the way the shadow was that made it look like it was, you know, a face or something. But you're here, so they wanted to investigate it. Do I remember anything about what happened to Captain Wakefield? Some people, the very last day before you went into diagnostics, went to go look for Martin. They were Rook, Melanie, and Captain Wakefield. Okay. Those three went to go look for Martin and Cass out east and they didn't come back that night and you remember before you went to sleep it was just you freya Locke, george asper barry camden i think that's everybody it was just you four and freya Locke was with you when you were putting yourself into diagnostics and she said i can't wait till this is over we definitely need you right now so Freya Locke put me into di- or help was with me when I went into diagnostics, but we, yeah, but we weren't on the ship at that point. We were at the right. So I went into diagnostics in the Haven, in the Haven, and came out of it on the ship. Yeah. Okay. And for those of you listening at home, again, we have the maps available. The maps will be available at our website, getoutofdepth.com. You can see them there. You can see them at our Patreon page, posting them on our social medias. So you can get those and check them out so you can see what we see. But I hope I described that well enough that you all can have an idea of what they're looking at. You come out of that dump of information and Melanie Devontes is unplugging you and she's like waving in your face. Earth the caster. Well, I think that jolt of energy was quite helpful. Fuck. I was worried if we lost you, we were... We were screwed. Did we get the power on to the Haven? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And she's she shuts up the the vents and she's like, I need you to not zone out like that. Like, George Asper's already got me on edge. Okay? Come on, let's go inside. Let's shut down these airlocks. And course, she yes. takes you in and she starts punching in some numbers on a terminal next to the airlock and locks the first one. You guys move out of that room and lock the second one. And then she crosses this larger room where Freya Locke and Rook and George Asper are. You're all 
the lights are flickering on and some sparks are flying from that computer terminal that had the the large screen on it that has I'll the rhinoceros to, on. Yeah, I'll go to the computer terminal and see if I can fix that computer to make it not spark it. Yeah. Melanie Devantes like hurriedly rushes to the other set of airlocks to start shutting them down, to start closing down this space. And Caster, you go over to that computer and you can see like a little bit of the screen still works and it's powering. It's like trying to power on and it's shorting and there's like a flicker effect happening on the screen, but you can see that the map, that I just showed you the map that for our listeners is available on the website. That exact map is what is on the screen. And the rhinoceros is painted over the spot where there is supposed to be a structure. Okay. Crazy. Once you see that, then the whole thing shorts out. So it's going to take some, you, you could, you could start spending some time since you guys have some time to try and, fix this computer to see if you're able to repair it with all of your skills. We're heading into the night. Everybody here is exhausted and hungry and thirsty, recovering from uh, a bite wound from a monster fight that was fucking awesome. How would you all like to spend this evening tonight? And I'll start with Freya Locke. One, I definitely borrow caster's bioscanner to make sure there's no life forms other life forms but us in here it shows nothing okay good uh two i actually do want to get acclimated and get some stuff i actually want to look at like what my inventory is like what if what did we go through in 247 days like am i out of stem packs am i out of you know like what what is left and i kind of also say to mel like check check our inventory of food and water like we need to figure out like what we're doing because i i do really right now i also i know they're trying to get into the or caster's trying to fix the computer terminal and that's really important to me but since it is night and we do need to just rest i'm trying to get us comfortable but i also am trying to so i'm trying to before we do that see what we have to make us comfortable okay uh rook i, I think we know what you're doing um, uh, yeah, I mean, just sleep. Am, am I ever conscious at all? Uh, during do any, you like, want to? Yeah, uh, uh, from, from what I recall from last session, did you say we had like some sort of like botany, like greenhouse type of thing? Yeah, uh, and uh, I also said that it looked like stuff had grown there and died. And died. Okay, I was going to look for some uh, some stuff to to smoke to kind of settle my nerves a little bit. Yeah. But and it's all no. It's all it's all dead. All right. Um, Sorry, man. Yeah. Then that will just be resting. Yeah. For my time. Caster. I am going to work to repair the computer, and I also am going to uh, use Barry's notebook, and I'm going to start recording down the things that I remember, knowing that my memory at one point did get scrambled. Yeah. I want to put to paper the things I've learned. Okay. Let's make a roll on uh, the computer applying whatever you feel like you should apply to fix the boards on this computer just to make it operable. So I have computer and hacking. It wouldn't be AI. What do you think? Would, so probably would just I, computing? Just computing. Okay. Alrighty. Here we go. Give you 
Give you the roll. That's a 96. Well, Dave, I'm sad to say that you're just not able to get this thing working. Yeah. But thankfully, Jay gave you guys enough information to play with before you broke it. Broke it. <laughs> it's dead fried. Yeah, it's fried to shit. But I, I will say this. You were able to tell there absolutely was an explosion in here. And you're picking out like bits of shrapnel. You don't remember there being grenades <laughs> on the ship. That wasn't something that people had so this is odd i do want to have a conversation with dr Locke as well you've had some disappointment with the computer it's just too fried you go over to Locke, who is doing an inventory of all of the equipment food otherwise and she's searching through these cabinets just trying to take stock of things just like she was doing the first session that we we yeah. met her uh, dr Locke, i've remembered some things that are quite troubling and i Wanted to fill you in specifically. Oh, it, yes, yeah. What's what's going on? Well, what do you remember? Martin Sapp and, and Cass uh, went to investigate the magnetic field. And I, I can show you where that is on in the map. But when they came back, we all noticed that there was something different about them. They were acting quite odd. And then they took the ATV and left and were gone for a day. But what's important to know is that Rook, Melanie, and Captain Wakefield all went to look for them the next day. And when I went into diagnostics, they weren't here at the Haven with us. It was just you, I, Barry, and George. So something happened in that, in that time frame when I went into diagnostics that, that led us back to the ship. And I'm worried that potentially whoever may have encountered this electric field, I'm worried that Rook and Melanie might somehow be affected in the same way that Martin and Cass were. They seem all right right now. Where, uh, where was Sergeant Vi? Do you remember? I believe the records showed that she was injured right before that, right? Maybe she was with us but unconscious. Yeah, I don't think we talked about where... Didn't mention Vi was. Uh, Sergeant yeah. Vi. Sergeant Vi would have been with you guys, yeah. Okay, okay so would have been at the Haven. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Sar- Sergeant Vi was with us, but, but somehow the four of us that were here at the Haven made it back, but Sergeant Vi did not to the ship. Hmm. I, I am disturbed that both Barry and uh, Dr. Asper said we shouldn't go back. And I know that Martin was actually... Please don't share this with anyone. Um, Martin was expressing concern that he thought that we didn't belong on this planet for some reason. He said he hadn't felt that on other planets, but on this one in particular, he said that he felt like God was disappointed with us for coming here. Oh my. Which, and he wasn't a religious person. There's just definitely a, I don't know, almost like a, a, a mental virus, a computer virus, if you will playing with us. Yes. I'm concerned that we might not know who we can trust. Caster, Dr. Asper mentioned that you have a father. Yes, I do. Your creator. That's right. But I've never heard a a Mason unit refer to their creator as a father, and I guess I've actually never heard of a, a Mason creator actually creating that sort of relationship with a mason unit. Tell me what what was going on there? Not all creators treat who they create like their sons. And that's how you were treated? It was, yes. What was your father's name? 
my father's name was Elgon Malconian. The Elgon Malconian? Yes. In, in fact, Castor is not my real name. My name is Elgon Marconian the Thirteenth.